an uncomfortable scene for sure between Jesus and the Canaanite woman. Why did he say and why did he do what he did? First thing you need to know is that Jews and Gentiles aren't supposed to hang out with each other. And they'll have contact, obviously, with one another, but Jews and Gentiles are not supposed to hang out with each other. The Jews follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which they do, and we do too, and the Gentiles didn't. They were pagans. They adored false gods. Jews and Gentiles don't hang out. Number two, when Jesus encountered this woman, I mean, she was really sincere about what she was saying. A daughter who was possessed, I mean, who wouldn't reach out to Jesus for healing on her behalf? And I remember one time when I was in Israel a long, long time ago, and I encountered a woman who had great anguish and, and a, a kind of a great plea that she was making. I couldn't understand her because I, I didn't speak the language. But she was very intense and loud. And that's just because culturally that's what it was. But she was very intense, and you knew that there's something that was going on there. And so I thought of her with this woman here intensely asking Jesus for help. And what happened? Silence. Ooh, silence? Jews and Gentiles don't hang out. They're, they don't get along. Jesus was reflecting the culture that he was in of his time. Then that next step, that's kind of very uncomfortable. She persisted. Why? Of course she would. She persisted, not only because of her daughter, but she had faith, as we heard. And then Jesus said, well, you don't throw food to the dogs. Now, do uh, saying dog, that was a, a pejorative. It wasn't a nice thing to say. And again, it was showing this Jews and Gentiles, they don't hang out. They don't believe the same thing. And these Gentiles, they worship pagan gods. But then in her faith, as well as, I, she's a clever woman. She said, well, you guys, and this is, we can interpret it this way, you guys have, have dogs at home and, and they are your pets and they receive scraps from the table. Why can't I have that then? To receive some scraps from the table of the chosen people, okay? She's pretty good, really good. But why? Because she believed in Jesus and she had a daughter who needed to be healed. And then Jesus, remember when he said, oh, woman, okay, when you say to somebody, oh, you know, you use that expression, sometimes it could be an exasperation with somebody. Usually that's the way I use it. But also in terms of just kind of being impressed and marveling at something. Oh, look at that. Wow. Look at what's, what this beautiful gift of nature, whatever you'd be saying. So it's coming from a deep part of yourself. And that's what Jesus was doing with this woman. Deep from within him, he said, your faith has caused your daughter to be healed. And of course she was healed. Okay, so that's, the, that's kind of what we're looking at. Just remember, Jews and Gentiles, they don't hang out. 
Now, what are the Jewish folks supposed to do, and who are they? Remember, go way back to Abraham. God called Abraham, said you're going to have a son Isaac, and you're going to have descendants numerous as the sands on the seashore and the stars in the sky. God called Abraham. He constituted a people, the chosen people, which we know as our Jewish brothers and sisters. He brought them together. He intervened in history specifically to bring this people together, and that's what he did. All through, as we read in the Old Testament, you know, they ended up in Egypt. He liberated them from God, liberated them from the Pharaoh and the Egyptians, took them through the desert, and they got the promised land. Then they got a king, the greatest, of course, David, King David, just so you know. And then they messed up, and they went into exile, and then they got to come back. But all through this, this was, this was a people that God called together for a very special purpose. He wanted a chosen people of his own without any kind of prejudice to Gentiles, but he wanted a chosen people for his own because, as the first reading says, you know, we're all called to this holy mountain. We're all called to be together with God. He wanted to use, at first, his chosen people to bring all nations unto him, all nations unto him. And so then when, when Jesus was encountering this woman, we see a huge breakthrough, even though it didn't sound like it. There's a huge breakthrough. There's a huge signal that Jesus was giving. Okay, we may be the chosen people, but I, God, I have a larger mission from you. Obey the commandments. Keep the covenant that I made with you. Yes, 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 yes. But you are to be my people to bring everybody unto me. That's what he was saying to this very difficult passage. You're called to bring all the nations unto me. Well, then it got a little bit more interesting. You know that he died and rose from the dead, established the final covenant between God and his people. And he said to those 12 apostles, you're going to be the foundation for this church that I founded from my death and resurrection and through Pentecost. And you're going to go into the world and you're going to call people, all nations, unto me. And St. Paul helped us understand that revelation when he said, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles are saved and can be saved if they believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, okay. So all of a sudden, our church is part of this vast and beautiful history of the chosen people. And we're chosen too, not through lineage by blood, but by baptism. We're adopted by our Heavenly Father. I presume you're all baptized, so you're adopted. You're a son or daughter of God. Don't ever underestimate it. It's so wonderful. And you're part, you're part of this family. You're part of this church. You're part of the mission, as Jesus revealed it and St. Paul did and Isaiah talked about it. You're part of this mission to bring people to God and to bring people to God's holy mountain. And that means the Eucharistic table. What holier mountain are we going to find? But of course that means that as we're on pilgrimage to eternity, eternal life with God, bring people with you. That is what we can find in this reading. Kind of interesting, isn't it? 
I don't like the insults. I don't like the silence. But this is what grows out of that encounter with a Canaanite woman. So remember, we've been reading from Matthew's Gospel, and earlier in the year sometime, can't remember when, we heard the passage from the Sermon on the Mount, long, long Sermon on the Mount. And remember when Jesus said, you be salt and light to the world. You be salt, you be the flavor, and don't be like the world. Do not be like the world, because the church that Jesus has given us is to be calling people and living what God wants for his kingdom now and into eternity. So we cannot be like the world. And so that will, in certain extents, make us countercultural. It will make us counter to what is being said or done in the world today, if it's counter and against God himself, against his commands, against his love, against his mercy, against his teaching. We are the salt, and we are the light of the world. We're not prideful people say, I know the way and you don't. That's not it. We are not prideful people. But if we believe in Christ, if we embrace his teachings, if we embrace the holiness that he conveys, desires to convey, to give to us, then you're going to be a light. People are going to look at you and say, you're weird, or you're different, or what, what do you have that I don't or the rest of the world doesn't have, etc." You'll be light because you love and believe in Jesus. You don't have to make anything up. You just will be light. And, and that's what he's that's what he's saying to us. Be salt, be light. Be my church. Be my church. Founded on the apostles, my death and resurrection. Be my church in the world today. And just remember, okay, we have to be honest, remember, Jesus' church was built, at least in part, on the blood of the martyrs. People sacrificed their lives because they weren't going to be in we're going to be of the world, rather. They'll be in the world, but not of the world. And they'll sacrifice their lives. They will bleed for Christ because they love him and they're serving him in that way. And from the blood of the martyrs, the church grows. Other people don't have to be martyrs like I just described. But we all, in one way, shape, or form, will have to say, like we heard in a gospel earlier, we're going to have to say that we prefer Christ above all things because he's the pearl of great price, because he's the treasure buried in the field. And when we do that, we may not die for our faith, but we will sacrifice for it in terms of maybe relationships, what people think, how they want to behave towards you, whatever it might be. That's not all bad. There are good things, too, that happen. For heaven's sakes, yes. But this is what it means. This is what it means to be the church, to be what Jesus is constituting here, and we see in the, go in the gospel in a micro kind of way. This is what he's calling us to be and do, salt and light. So, kind of interesting, isn't it? What we can, can hear from these scriptures. And yeah, they're challenging, okay? 
We're, we're people in, in formation. We're just going to keep being formed. So if you expect yourself to be perfect and want to give up, don't, don't do that. Don't give up. Don't be perfect because you can't be. God perfects us, but you can't be perfect. Instead, receive the challenge or receive these readings as we heard them tonight as being a blessed opportunity to serve our Heavenly Father because you are one of his sons. You are one of his daughters. You are part of his marvelous family. And, you know, just think about your own relationship with your parents. You know, it could be up and down, but, you know, I remember with my mom, and I've shared that with you, you know, when she was sick and all this kind of stuff, I wanted to serve her because the bottom line is she was mom. She happened to be a really great mom. But the bottom line is she was mom. And how about we kind of look at that in terms of our Heavenly Father? I want to serve him because I know he loves me and because he's my dad. And he sent his son so that I could be one of his sons and one of his daughters. Let that motivate us. Let that color, if you will, our thinking, our prayer, our perspective in a scripture like we heard tonight. Because we're called to be salt and light and bring all people unto Christ.